turn off the lights, the party's over. They say that all good things must end. Willie Nelson, great American. As were all of you, as we, uh, we see the incredible run, it only lasted four games, 12 days, for the United States men's national team, losing to the Netherlands 3-1 at the 2022 World Cup. Uh, a very bitter pill, but well done, everyone. I was at a watch party. It was six, 700 people in this bar, and I know that was happening all over America. And I got to tell you, uh, sitting in that bar and listening to conversations, and everyone was really friendly. I talked to about 20 people. The conversations are very sophisticated about this sport. People know what's up. I know those are the super fans, but they are the normal people. And this is something that uh, I think other people want to be part of. So this all matters. And an extra game or two is, would have been huge for this, this program, this sport. But alas, here we are. And we've got to look at uh, what was accomplished, and it was all very good. Here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, check out the Soccer OG World Cup Daily podcast where all podcasts are available. You can catch it here on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Those are my social media handles. And we are brought to you by the fine people at Farmer John. Got up at uh, 5.15. Actually, earlier than that. My mother-in-law got up and she cooked some uh, Farmer John bacon. She cooks it there and then she cooks a couple eggs and I sit there and she's, it's, I, I live a charmed life, what can I say? And uh, I was off and running. Got to Santa Monica around 6.30. There was a big line. Had uh, one and a half beers. Probably need a nap in a little bit right after I record this, although I feel good. And uh, yeah, a nice bacon starts you off. We still have a lot of early mornings. Enjoy. USA may be over, but the World Cup kicks on. There's going to be some incredible games. There's some incredible personalities alive. So start the day off with some Farmer John and get into your games as we, uh, these next three days. These, you, you could say that starting Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that's the best part of the World Cup. Round of 16, <laughs> although today's action wasn't obviously as pulsating as the end of the groups. But you have these eight games over four days, two, 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 certainly very excellent, including the United States, who's the first game out of the traps. We are going to go over this game and try and be specific. I don't want to go off too much on what comes next with regards to the team, Burhalter, the hosting in 2026. We'll have time to talk about that in future shows as the United States will continue to be a big part of the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, even though they're not there. But uh, I like to have a nice balance. I mean, I wanna, I, I've been watching the games and I love to give you my thoughts on them. I think they're thoughts that uh, um, are unique and stand up in all of the content that's available. There's a lot of great stuff. There's just a lot of stuff. But uh, I appreciate you guys making some time to listen to me. So let us get into this game. I predicted the U.S. to win one settle. That scoreline was down the tubes 10 minutes in. As uh, the Netherlands with uh, a really master class on staying in their own skin. It's all about styles in this sport. Can you dictate your style and can you prevent the other team from dictating theirs? Way, uh, Wales. Netherlands did that. They played how they wanted to play and they took those things away from uh, the United States. Uh, there was uh, a great opportunity early on. And look, we talk about an early strike. Neither of these teams have trailed in this competition. So you knew there was going to be a bit of a panic from the team that actually panicked the first time. Let's quickly show you the uh, starting 11 for the United States. Shouldn't get too far 
ahead of that. The big surprise, Jesus Fedeta comes in. And he was quickly pulled at halftime. He had a rough one. He had a rough game. Uh, had some really poor passes. I mean, this was, everyone had a rough game. But you want some of the new players to provide that pop. And uh, Jesus Fedeta did it. Walker Zimmerman comes back. So it was the same back line, same midfield, same two wide attacking players in Pulisic and Wea. There was a, a, an adaption uh, in the second half with the introduction of Gio Reyna at the half. Later on, you would have uh, Haji Wright come in for Tim Weah, Brendan Aronson for Weston McKinney, DeAndre Yedlin for Sergio Dest, as uh, Jordan Morris a little bit later, as the U.S. tried. And I thought they finished very well. Uh, the adapting process, and I thought uh, a quote that Louis Van Hall has been c- catching... Uh, some traction here, and he said, the USMNT didn't adapt, they didn't adjust, we made our tactical plan based on targeting the flanks. And what he means by that, he knew that, and the US is an open book, and that's fine if they're an open book, that what has worked for them is Sergio Des and Anthony Robinson coming in. That worked for the US, they got in behind the Dutch defense. I thought Sergio Des, especially late in the first half, was on fire. Anthony Robinson looked leggy. And he's played every game. He played every. He's played 90 minutes in every game. He came out of this game against the Netherlands, but it was in the 92nd minute. So technically, he played 360 minutes. Uh, he looked fatigued. Uh, he still made some important plays. He, obviously, the crossing and the passing and not getting dispossessed are, are, are problems for him. Although I think he'll be able to overcome. He is just a, an athletic giant and uh, a, a really smart player in a lot of ways. Uh, with great anticipation. Serginho Dest obviously ran out of steam too, but there was a couple good chances he had, certainly at the end of that first half. Again, where the U- Netherlands delivered, the U.S. didn't. So, uh, but it was interesting that Louis van Gaal would tighten the bolts on Greg van, uh, Greg, 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 Greg van Nisselrooy, Greg Berhalter. I would also like to say this, and everyone on Twitter is going, Louis Van Hall is running circles around Greg Berhalter. I go, yeah, tell me something I don't know. Louis Van Hall is one of the great managers in the sport, national team or club level. He is coaching his home country. He is a guy who has been innovative through the years. He could almost be a Mount Rushmore type coach. Yeah, he would run circles around 99% of coaches. That said, Greg Berhalter still... Uh, got a lesson, but I don't know if that's unexpected. I also want to make it perfectly clear while Greg Berhalter shoulders the burden, the lack of execution from this team is a problem too. And let's be honest, it's not as talented as we said it is, and it's not as deep as we say it is. I would say a lot of teams aren't deep. This Dutch team isn't deep, but we still have to get an upgrade in positions, and I think that is coming from the center backs that weren't able to go because they were injured, uh, Miles Robinson and Chris Richards, some young players coming up the uh, the pecking order, obviously Ricardo Pepe at the top, Gagas Lonina, who at some point will replace Matt Turner, several good players, Malik Tillman, we've seen some of them and there's a lot of them but we don't know their names yet, it's going to happen. So there has to be a big upgrade there for this U.S. team um, who... Uh, have improved so much. Just to reiterate that, in 2014, I mean, the game in 2020, let's say 2018, they didn't qualify. That's rock bottom. 2014 was the beginning of that progress down. 2014, they made it around a 16. It was the height of that group. Great World Cup. They played Belgium, 
And Tim Howard had to make a World Cup record amount of saves. I think it was like 17, 16 saves. Because Belgium were pop it, pop it. I mean, Belgium were running circles around us. Somehow we got it to extra time. Somehow. So this is a different story. The U.S. had 60% of the ball. They had 17 shots. Eight shots on target. And if any of these go in, we're talking about a different result, I promise you. If... If uh, Christian Pulisic scores two minutes in, and he should put that away, he said afterwards he thought he was offside. He looked like he thought he was offside. He was not. And then the combination where we saw Tyler Adams. I mean, I know Landon Donovan hit Tyler Adams at the break, and the reason it's Tyler Adams' fault is that he saw Memphis Depay in front of him. The back four had flexed back. Tyler Adams has to recognize the defense aren't going to get him. I got to jump in there, and he didn't. And it was way too easy. I mean, these goals were way too easy, but they were... I don't think the Netherlands, they've got to be pinching themselves that they got these chances. After that, it was chance after chance for the U.S. They were getting closer. We saw Des starting to heat up. They had that big shot from Tim Weah that forced the big save there by Nopert. And then when we're getting to the end of the half, the guys were tired. You could see there, I mean, Des was lifting his shirt, taking deep breaths. They, same play, same play. Dumfries. Plays it in, this time to Daly Blint. Way too easy of a finish. And that second goal, for all intents and purposes, uh, put it out of reach. Even though the United States showed a lot of fight in the second half. So they, they would really press forward. There was the goal by Haji Wright, I want to say, in the 76, it was the 76th minute. Haji Wright gets another chance a minute later. Then DeAndre Yedlin was involved. Then Christian Pulisic gets another good chance in the 80th minute. Right at that time, at that time, the Dutch were sweating. The Dutch were going, okay, it's unraveling here. We just gave up a goal, and then we gave up two really good chances right after we have to play for 10 more minutes in stoppage time. And, at, at, I mean, not to say the U.S. were going to score, but the Dutch were sweating. And things... I mean, I was, I felt really confident at that point. Then, what we really saw about this team, Anthony Robinson, bless his heart, he uh, got sucked in, Dumfries was open. I saw, watch the replay, Dumfries has his hand asking Blind to pass him the ball. I counted it, it was eight seconds. Robinson was up, Blind, uh, Dumfries could not believe, he's just wide open waving, going, hey, hey, I'm open. I mean, you never see that, and that is... That is a product of Anthony Robinson being absolutely spent. That's all it is. Because otherwise, his head's on a swivel. He sat there ball watching on all three goals. That is fatigue. This team did not watch ball go in and out left and right. They uh, were meticulous. The midfield picked off game ball after ball. In this situation, they stopped. And that is because you're tired. Three goals, all similar situations where there was a, a complete freeze by one of the defenders. We'll mention their names. Adams first time, Des the second time, Anthony Robinson. But I think that's good that it shows you that this was all where guys were just like, they weren't thinking. Four games in 12 days. That may fall on Greg Berhalter to rotate players, but how do you rotate players when you have concerns, you have some those injuries. I mean, obviously, Josh Sargent didn't mention how much he was missed. That was a big factor as well. But uh, you need to get through. So if you have to play these guys that much, you play these guys. I'm not ready to sit Dest and... And Dest came off in each game. I'm not ready to sit those guys to bring in, 
Yedlin or Shaq Moore or Joe Scally. We didn't see Joe Scally. I'm really excited about him, but he's still a kid. And we saw things what, that kids do, which uh, is frustrating. We saw things that uh, younger players are going to struggle with. And the Netherlands were just clean, uh, tactically sound, technically sound, and just comfortable in their own skin. We saw Gio Reyna in the second half, had some nice moments, but he did look like a player that A, was not 100%, and was playing really his first extended play in this World Cup. Gio Reyna is obviously a foundation stone for this team moving forward. We've got to find a way how he works with Christian Pulisic. Will it be a, a, whether or not there will be a managerial change or a, a, a major tactical shift, we'll find out. I'm not going to talk about Greg Berhalter here. We'll wait for maybe tomorrow or the day after and we'll talk about what it looks like. And we'll probably hear from him, I imagine, by the time I'm recording till tomorrow, whether he's going to come back. Maybe not. I mean, he goes till the end of the year. And I'll, I'll say this about Greg Berhalter really quickly. He is going to be in demand. He's a guy who's gone through... The European uh, licenses, he's played in Europe, he's played, coached on a national team. There's going to be clubs. Granted, it's not going to be a team in the Premier League, but it might be a team in the Championship. It might be a team in Germany. It might be a team in Netherlands, obviously, where he played, or one of those uh, small leagues. He's going to be in demand. Uh, that is for sure. And I think what you got, how you've got to look at it, even though you may be upset with Greg Berhalter, look, it was a bad day for him, too. But this is good for the U.S. system to have a coach go and continue to develop because he's still a young guy. But we shall see. I, I, I tend to think he won't be back because of what I just said, but we'll find out a little bit more and we'll, we'll go from there. I mean, do you want to coach this? Do you, do you, after coaching for four years, do you want to go for three and a half years where no qualifying, you have to hustle to get games? It's not going to be fun. And it's, it almost, look, you're, you're going to have to work really hard to get that team ready for the 2026 World Cup because you have to find games. We'll talk about that at a later day. But I'm just saying, three and a half years, you're on the clock already, and there's no qualifying. It's not an ideal situation to be a coach. Gio Reyna was good when he came in. Haji Wright obviously scored the goal, the little taquito, uh, the blind taquito, which uh, was good for him. And I thought he had a great chance right after. Or right before, he had that great chance with that heavy touch. I mean, there was like four or five good chances. Let's call it four good chances from minute 75 to minute 80. One of them was the goal. The U.S. were peppering them. Gio Reyna was part of that, and we'll see how he grows. I want to say this about Gio. Uh, we talked about the youthfulness of this, and it came through. This whole idea where Eric Winalda's talking. I mean, Eric Winalda was talking to his dad. Obviously, his father told Eric that he was unhappy and Gio was unhappy because he's not playing. And then the optics of seeing him when the whole team was celebrating, walking through the hotel lobby with his headphones on, trying to get out of everyone's way. That ain't going to fly. Gio Reyna's got a lot of growing up to do. I know he's a young man. But if he wants the big responsibility, he's got to prove that he's more mature than how what we saw in those episodes. And whatever is happening, that that would come out. This is a great learning experience for him. But those little things, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not happening with other players who are not playing. And I guess the best comparison is Joe Scala. You don't hear him say anything. Granted, Gio Reyna is a different level of player. But all those things, you've got to contain him. And you've got to put the team first. 
you have to put the team first. Minor things. I'm just saying that now because we have time and I'm going on about that. Uh, the U.S., even at the end afterwards, were firing up some shots and I thought that was, uh, was, was very good. Now, Greg Berhalter after the game said this. And we'll talk a little bit about Berhalter. Uh, and look, he, he, he got clowned a bit by Van Hall with that quote. Afterwards, he says, the Dutch attacking quality was the difference between the teams today. We don't have a Memphis Depay right now who scores in the Champions League. What? Bad quote. Bad quote. Don't try and scare us with Memphis Depay. He has not been informed. He had a great goal today, but he is... He was... They have no other option, but he hasn't played well. This Dutch team hasn't been playing all that well. This was a great performance. They're a dangerous team, and their ceiling's high. But it was Cody Gakpo and Frankie De Jong. Memphis was kind of along for the ride. Nowhere near his prime uh, playing form. So we will have to see it. And it's, uh, it's all in all, I say be positive. I know this one stings. I would encourage you all to find another team to support in the World Cup. It makes it more fun. So certainly do that. And we will, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about where this program goes from here. We all saw it. I'm really proud of these guys. I saw, I, I, even when they went down two goals, they fought. They didn't have to. This could have gotten away from them. Matt Turner with some big saves. Matt Turner afterwards saying it wasn't our best performance, but he knows that they can walk out of here. I mean, everyone had a poor game. It just wasn't clicking. And it was one of those games where these guys probably individually didn't think they were doing poorly, but as we saw it systematically, uh, it was poor. And that falls on the manager, right? That certainly falls on the manager. Proud of what these guys were able to do. You just can't keep tripping here. The only time they won around a 16 game was against Mexico. We may have a, a minor quinto partido issue ourselves. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We will be back. We will look back at the other game from Saturday. Argentina squeaking by Australia. And we will preview the games for Sunday. France, Poland, and England, Senegal. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily World Podcasts are available. And right here on YouTube under my name, Max Bell. We are back, Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Let's put a bow on Saturday's action. Argentina defeating Australia 2-1 in a game that we'll see Argentina make the quarterfinals. They will take on the Netherlands. Let's look at that bracket. So Argentina, Netherlands, they met in the 2014 semis. That wasn't a pretty game. They did meet in this stage in 1998, one of the great games of World Cup history. Dennis Bergkamp scoring that incredible goal to beat Argentina. That 1998 Argentina team fell way short to me. That was one of my favorite Argentina teams led by Burrito Ortega, Diego Simeone, Batistuta. They were just incredible, but they fell short in 98. They fell short in 2002. Now they'll meet again, and I'm starting to feel the Dutch. I know I disrespected the Dutch a lot here with my preview show. And like I know I got a lot of Tweets and texts from uh, Dutch friends. And like I was hearing from the Dutch media. They were low on this team. You heard Binky Van Bilderbeek <laughs> two days ago. They were down on. The Dutch weren't like waxing poetic about this team's effort. And the eyeball test said it. Uh, I will stand by it. Uh, the Dutch were technically sound and were able to dictate their, effectively their game plan. But they got really fortunate. The things fell their way. The U.S., we're not outclassed. They were pushing. They got a ton of chances. 
It's a strange sport that we all follow. It's a very strange sport. Case of point, Argentina, Australia, this game shouldn't be happening. Right out at the beginning, Australia starts to press them, and I'm thinking Saudi Arabia. This was the game plan. Australia looked really keen. And very early in this game, you said they are going to compete. And as uh, Graham Arnold would say, um, they will beat you if you let them. And Argentina almost let them. I thought Australia did an incredible job quelling Lionel Messi. He was nowhere. And I felt that there was a moment where Messi was going to check out a little bit because he's not involved. That's not his fault. That's the, the Argentine teammates have to lift him. Then they did. First shot on goal for Argentina. Beautifully crafted. It looked choreographed. I believe it was. Uh, the ball, they set it up. Messi right in that sweet spot, and he's finished a goal from there a thousand times. How many? How often have we seen from the corner of the box uh, going right to left with his left foot over the top? Beautiful stuff there by Lionel Messi. He's played a thousand matches in his footballing career. He has 789 goals. There was. It also started off a bad free kick awarded by Bayich. That really put them in a bad position. You can't make mistakes against Argentina. But uh, the, uh, the Australians were very firm through that point forward. They got the goal. It was an Enzo, Enzo Fernandez own goal. Uh, Lautaro Martinez is a big story here because he missed a lot of good chances. There was a moment Lionel Messi looked at him and said, uh, you're not playing anymore. It was kind of that look. I mean, he's already been moved to the bench by Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez is locked in there. He scored a cheeky goal on a big mistake by Matt Ryan. I feel so bad for Matt Ryan. He's going to be thinking about that because Australia made it 2-1. Do the math. That doesn't go in. The game's 1-1 and we might be going to extra time. And last time Australia went to penalties in a big game, they were victorious. Just ask Peru. So it was a very tiny, tiny margin here. And people were, this was a huge favorite. People were predicting 4-zip, 5-zip Argentina. This is a reflection off of the spirit of Australia, but it's also a reflection of Argentina just haven't looked good. And when you haven't looked good to this point, you're not winning a World Cup. And you're not making a final. Can the Dutch beat Argentina? Sure. I still think Argentina makes it through. I just don't know from what I'm seeing if they get further than that. But I guess if you make a semi, you can get there. But work in progress. Lionel Messi has to be more involved, even though he has three goals here and he uh, has taken some beautiful efforts and the, his supporting cast were great. But his supporting cast uh, came off the boil. And there was even a late equalizing chance. Man, that Australian team, you got to be... Remember, Australia is like the fourth favorite sport over there. What an effort. Uh, Aaron Moy, he plays at Celtic. That guy's got to be at a top league. Great organizing midfielder. Sunday, 7 a.m. It will be France-Poland. France, the first reigning champs to make the knockout since Brazil in 2006. Coming off a loss to Tunisia. Poland getting thumped by Argentina. Uh, could have been worse if not for the save by Wojciech Szczesny. And they had to do some scoreboard watching. They made it through on goal differential and it wasn't at fair play. So uh, Poland backing into the round of 16. They never looked that great through the entire. They got a scrappy win over the Saudis and they tied Mexico. Of the 16 teams in the knockouts, I would, after seeing Australia, I'd probably rank Poland 16th out of the 16. Uh, they got a good goalkeeper. I'd say that about Wojciech Szczesny. And he says he can be the difference in stopping Mbappe. Robert Lewandowski was partnered with Karol Swiderski. That was a nightmare. They could not get Lewandowski any touches against Argentina. They have to get him involved here. Or, or it's a non-factor and Poland will defend and defend, which they're very good at. 
Uh, Didier Deschamps said, I res- you have to respect what Poland do. This team uh, had, likes to defend, defend a lot. They defend well. They love it. I like how he threw the, they love it. How do you know? They love it. We love defending. Oh, it's so much fun. Maybe, you know, because of the goalkeeper and their defensive tactics, maybe Poland can drag this game to extra time. And then if you get there, you have that great keeper. France have a good one, Hugo Lloris, as well. France learned a very important lesson. They're not that deep. They played a lot of the the reserves, and they lost to Tunisia. So Kylian Mbappe will be back. Antoine Griezmann will be back. Ousmane Dembele will be back. Chumeni and Rabiot in the midfield. It's going to be the heavy hitters. And when that first team has played, France have looked excellent. I expect them to progress through here uh, comfortably. Let's say, let's call it three, three zip. I feel bad. I, I mean, I want these games to be good. I want them to be like the group stages, but I don't feel it right now. And France, look, uh, look they are the reigning champs. That's hard. And in the Euros, they lost to Switzerland at this stage. So they... I'm curious if that manifests because this is uncharted waters. Reigning champs don't make it through the next tournament. I think the reigning champs are Brazil and Germany and all that. It's never happened. It's one of the crazier stats when you think about it. The late game is England versus Senegal. England coming off a cruise control win over Wales. Three zip was one of the few results in the final group stages where a team didn't have to sweat, right? Everyone sweat. Uh, France had to sweat with that loss, even though they were through. Brazil had to sweat a little bit. So uh, it was, you know, England got to bring in some new players. And that may be the problem with this English team is who do you play? Uh, Do you go with Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount? That pairing hasn't done great. Harry Kane's not going anywhere. Marcus Rashford scoring a ton of goals. And Phil Foden looked really good. Phil Foden... Uh, it would be Foden or Mount, or and it would be, I imagine, Rashford or Sterling. I would, I think he'll go with Sterling. I think Foden comes in here. Mason Mount's been pretty poor. Uh, Foden saying, when I get opportunities, I will take them, as he did against the Welsh. Gareth Southgate trying to downplay this game. He goes, we are favors. It means nothing. We are favorites. It means nothing in a one-off game. And, uh, you know, this is a high-pressure thing. England are a great draw. And hats off to them because, A, they made the knockouts. A lot of good European teams did it. Belgium, Germany, Denmark. So England winning their group, that's to be applauded. I don't know how the English press are treating that. I think they're indifferent, but that's a nice achievement. I think they're downplaying the group. They go, they should have easily gone through there. Well, they probably said that about Spain. They probably said that about Belgium. They didn't win groups. Some didn't even make it through. So I, 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 England's in a good spot, and they feel like uh, they're, they're, not, they're not being mounted with too much pressure, incredibly, as, as is England. But they're not being mounted with too much pressure, as you'll feel with the French and Brazil or Argentina. They're kind of under the radar a bit, so this would be very interesting. And of course, you get to see an England-France quarterfinal. We didn't get that as the final four years ago, so maybe we get it here, and that would be fantastic. But don't underestimate Senegal. Senegal are used to winning. Senegal won the African Cup of Nations for the first time. They knocked out Egypt in World Cup qualifying. They're used to success. They don't have Sadio Mane, and they still got through in this group. Now they have Idrissa Gay suspended, who to me is their second most important player. But I, you can't underestimate this group, right? They, uh, 
others will step up. Ismail Asar, uh, Buladia, they have a great spine. Edward Mendy and Khalidou Koulibaly. They're going to be tough to crack. Koulibaly may be struggling at Chelsea, but with his national team, he's very, very good. So uh, I, uh, this is going to be a competitive game. And I think Senegal have a shot. I, I'm going to pick England because I've just been impressed with them. But this is going down to the wire. And Senegal have a shot. Uh, African nations have lost eight of nine World Cup knockout round games. Famously, the one I remember included England. And it was the quarterfinals of 1990. Cameroon went up two goals and England came back to win it 3-2. So that's one of the famous Europe-African matchups here. Uh, it's been a good competition for African teams. They got two in the round of 16. Ghana really laid an egg. It should have been three. And um, it's, uh, this is going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not, I don't have high hopes for France-Poland, but this second game certainly is the case. I think we've, uh, we've covered enough ground. We'll be back here to recap those games from Sunday. We'll preview the games from Monday. We have some great guests coming next week. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily every day here on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, or the Soccer OG World Cup Daily Podcast Roll Podcasts are available. Heads up, USA fans. We'll be back to talk more USA tomorrow as well. We're good. We're good. Trajectory up. Ceiling is high.